Last time on Dragon Ball Z. Turtle and I are going out to dinner. You two better behave while we're gone. And most importantly, no improv. If I hear any yes and, you're getting the back of this hand. Well, Vince, it looks like we've got the Kame House all to ourselves. Yeah, we do, Aaron, and you know what that means. It's time to throw a banger of a podcast. We're Kame House Party, the only improv comedy Dragon Ball podcast in the known universe. We're going through every iteration of Dragon Ball, episode by episode, and performing improvised scenes based on what we watched. And you don't have to be a Dragon Ball super fan to enjoy the podcast, because each week we do a one-minute roundup to catch everyone up so you can enjoy the latest and greatest episode. Yes, and... What the shell is going on? They're doing improv all over the Kame House. They even put on flannel shirts. We're Kame House Party, part of the Moonshot Network, with new episodes every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts. Don't close out a promo while I'm yelling at you. Finn. Everybody and welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your host, Jane. And we're your favorite podcast all about the books of Rick Riordan. Today, we're continuing The Hammer of Thor. How are you doing today, Jane? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I, I had a, a good experience reading these chapters, I would say. This has nothing to do with the actual chapters themselves. I just like read them in a nice park uh, on like a nice day. That sounds fucking... So I'm, I'm feeling well disposed towards all this. Yeah, that's a nice experience. It really is true. Like, if you read a book in a nice situation, you'll feel better about it. <laughs> like, if you're, if you're like, oh, God, I gotta, gotta get these chapters read. It's 30 minutes before the recording. Then it's kind of gonna... You're gonna be more disposed to being like, I think these sucked. Um, but if you're like, oh, I'm having a nice little trip. I'll, t- I'll read a few chapters. Or I'm in a park. Or I'm on a bench. It's, it's very nice. It is, yeah. So I'm 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 in a good mood today. How are you, Jacqueline? I'm good too. I went out and bought new work boots, um, because I've had the same work boots ever since I started working. Um, so I I've had them through like, let's see, five different jobs now. My God. Um, and many years and they were cracked apart. The wood was poking my feet constantly because it had splintered and like uh like just completely like uh splint the the wood of the shoe had splintered off and so it was just jabbing at me constantly whenever i wore them and they were just full of water all the time so i went out and i bought some new ones that are actually my right shoe size so they shouldn't get filled with water constantly fuck yes yeah uh and that yeah that's been my day other than playing some video games wink wink (laughs) Some video games and, uh, you know, wink, 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 nudge, nudge, very subtle. If you want to hear about it, give us money. Uh, uh, Patreon.com slash girls $3 here or above. That's right. And maybe you'll hear about in the video game me repeatedly asking people for money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but we're not talking about weird, vaguely fantastic uh, sort of semi of the real world. We're here mm-hmm. to talk about 
the wait a second yeah we are <laughs> jane do you want me to give you the summaries please chapter 11 what's a guy gotta do to get a standing ovation at dinner, Helgi, after a light bit of misgendering, introduces Alex to the hordes of Valhalla, and everyone gathers to watch her Valkyrie Vision video. Unfortunately, Sam started her recording a bit early, so everyone gets a few minutes of something pretty personal. A meeting with Sam's grandparents and the Fodlons, where Amir seemed anguished and said he didn't understand what was going on, that he was in love with her, etc. At that point, it fast-forwards to the relevant bits, where we see a defenseless old man, a Norse demigod who never accepted his destiny, Magnus reckons, being accosted by some wolf children of Fenrir. Cue Alex, who shows up and really rips into the wolves in a German shepherd form, and also human form, but unfortunately, she's just straight-up outnumbered and eventually bleeds out on the ground, holding her groat. The dining hall is silent for a moment, and then everyone claps. They cheer and hoot and holler for the brave new Inheriai as the Thanes congratulate themselves on creating such an accepting community that even a child of Loki could be allowed into Valhalla. Mallory thinks it's all a bit too convenient, but Magnus is distracted, because for just a moment, he sees the wolf-masked assassin in the trees. Chapter 12, Samira and Magnus sitting in a tree. T-A-L-K-I-N-G. Sam flies away right as dinner ends, but Magnus and Jack fly after her to inform her of his assassin sighting. She goes to report it, but unfortunately nobody can find even a trace of them. They talk instead about Alex, and Sam admits that Alex freaked out when Sam grabbed her, but Sam is sympathetic to that. Alex was afraid she'd get stuffed into a gender box after death and made a stay there. Magnus tries to relate by thinking about it as being made to use his right hand even though he's a lefty, you know, kind of like that. Uh, then he asks Sam her opinion as a Muslim and Alex being trans, and Sam sort of dodges the question but says that basically everything in her life is a big complicated mess from a religious perspective. Her main worry is that Alex's constant shape-shifting will give Loki a hold over her. Then they finally broach the plot of the book. Magnus talks about what he saw in his dreams about the wedding, and Sam tells him that Loki's been handing out invitations in person to everyone she knows, including her grandparents and the Fodlons. She then told Amir everything she's been hiding, but she doesn't think he's taking it well. That's too far for Magnus, and so they decide to go to Provincetown and get Thor's hammer from the White Sparrow to end this whole thing, with a little help from Hearth and Blitz. Chapter 13. Relax, it's just a little death prophecy. After breakfast, which Alex is conspicuously absent from, Sam takes Magnus on flying horseback to Cape Cod, where they have a joyous reunion with Magnus's surrogate gay dads, the dwarf Blitzen and the elf Hearthstone. They've been in hiding because Hearth had read a bad omen in the runes that said Blitz would face bloodshed that couldn't be stopped before the first day of spring, the day of Sam's wedding, four days from now. But despite Hearth's protestations, Blitz won't accept the idea of this quest happening without him. Despite his love for the elf, he's his own man who can make his own decisions, and he wants to be there to bring them into the underground. Chapter 14. Cry me a blood river. Oh, wait, actually, don't. Blitz pretty immediately finds them the entrance to the White Sparrow, and Hearth pretty quickly breaks his fucking ankle by falling badly. <laughs> Magnus uses the powers of Frey to give him a little heal, then they all inspect the centerpiece of the chamber they'd fallen into. A Viking sarcophagus surrounded by twelve mummified warriors. The tomb is over a thousand years old, so it must have been transported to North America via evil magic. The coffin itself has an inscription in runes that says, Blood River, which nobody likes to hear. Jack senses that there's a powerful weapon in the vicinity, so with high hopes they're about to find the Hammer of Thor, Hearth opens up the coffin and reveals a mummified king with sword in hand, opening his eyes. Chapter Favor 
All in favor of slaughtering Magnus, please say aye. The white is Gellir, prince of the Danes, lord of the Skofnung sword, known to some as Blood River, due to his actions. And he is a perfectly lovely gent, willing to tell them all about his famous and sexual blade, and welcome them to his nice little barrow. Still, he is duty-bound to kill them eventually, so nothing to be done about that. He can't unsheath with the girl around, of course, so instead he calls to life his 12 strong-as-fuck mummy guards to do the job. <laughs> Jack doesn't think he can kill them all before the fight gets bloody. However, an even more powerful specter steps in to stop them. The specter of democracy. The mummies insist on voting on every little thing, including whether or not to take action at all, and our heroes are able to hijack the democratic process by interfering in the votes and leading them toward being pissed off at their boss, Geller, for having them all trapped with him for eternity. Still, the power of the pole can only be taken so far, of course, and eventually the ship rights itself, as the motion to kill the intruders is seconded. So, Jane, what did you think of these chapters? Uh... You you refer to Magnus's sword as Jackson during the summaries. Did uh, I really? I, I thought I just said you Jack. You said Jackson. Okay. And I think well, it would be incredibly funny if by some fucking cosmic coincidence, not only do both of the Chase kids end up as demigods, but they also both have like a close personal relationship with someone named Jackson. That would be really funny. I guess our <laughs> Jack is honestly already pretty close. <laughs> Required in running out of names. I guess it could be short for something else. It's not. It's ja- it's it's short for jack shit. We know this. Oh yeah, it is short for jack shit. <laughs> uh, these books are good. These chapters yeah, were good. Yeah, they were. Not like they didn't hit the, hit the high highs of like Alex's introduction. Uh, but you know, I I think that I'm very used to the pattern of like second book settling into the main quest. It's fucking boring. And <laughs> these weren't boring. <laughs> Yeah, this this does not feel as fucking, like, rote or kind of paint-by-numbers as the last couple did when we got to book two. Yeah. Um, do you want to start by talking about the stuff around Alex? Because she's not in here a lot, but there's, you know, especially with the first chapter, we get some conversation here. I think so, yeah. First off, Ernie Pyle drawing Jim Bowie a diagram about gender is fucking hilarious, actually. That That is incredibly funny. That's That's... You know, I'm usually against these historical inclusions, but I do think that that is one of those little jokes that you can only do with them that I think does make it worth it. Absolutely, yes. God, uh, Alex Alex actually went out in a pretty badass way. Yeah, her death was sick. She was just saving some guy, uh, and I guess she was already an awesome badass fighter before you know becoming mm-hmm. an in her eye. I wonder like what... What were her experiences like before this that led to her becoming an awesome Garrote user or whatever? It's incredibly funny that like she has like shape-shifting powers and can kill two wolves and all this stuff. And before Magnus became a nine hey, he was just some fucking guy who got killed on his first day out. Yeah, he didn't do an awful job, you know, he he did okay. But I can understand now why everyone was like, shit job, Magnus, because I think in comparison yeah. <laughs> to that, he really wasn't anything special. Although this this wasn't helped by fucking Sam's body cam footage, which I guess this this book also kind of like clears up a loose end that I'd forgotten about from the last one, which was uh, Magnus saying that like, no, no, this body cam footage is so bad that it's obviously been edited to make me look like an idiot. 
And then in this one, he talks about how, like, oh, no, Sam's just terrible at using her camera. She, like, leaves the lens cap on or she puts it on upside down or she starts recording at the wrong time. So I think the implication we're supposed to be taking is that, like, he wasn't sabotaged by some sneaky editing. It's just that Sam fucking sucks at having a body cam. I didn't connect that back to that, but I think that's I think you're completely right. I think that's required in wrapping up a little loose end. <laughs> I I wonder though, is the reason the recording started early was that actually Sam fucking up? I think that it, it's possible. Or was it like Loki started the camera from afar to humiliate her? Oh, that's possible. I was thinking it was just Sam fucked up for exposition reasons, but that would make more sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I read this part, and I thought maybe Sam called off the engagement. Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking, was that she was like, no, I, I'm on a bound to accept the, the thing from my dad, and therefore I have to cut this shit off. No, it turns but out no. Loki, what, much worse, actually. <laughs> no, apparently she just had to fucking, like, spill everything. God. Um, and actually, there's one other thing. Helgi's Helgi's a fucking bitch. <laughs> yeah, he really is. Like, Rick Riordan got at something. He, I don't know how he, like, I think we've talked about him being a little, like, clumsy and blunt so far with his treatment of, like, how are transgender people treated? What What is yeah. conversation around that talk? Uh, what is conversation around that, like? But there's something so true to life about Alex saying you should call, like don't call me Loki's son call me Loki's daughter and also I don't even care about the Loki part and Helgi going for very well a person who was the child of some parent like that's so real the like yeah. degendering here of a trans femme person yeah it's fucked <laughs> it's Rick Riordan's on to some real shit here and I I it it's it, frankly, yeah, this is... It's almost... It, we've gone from on the nose to almost too real. <laughs> Speaking of too real, I do like the the conversation they have about, like, um, oh, you know, we've maybe learned recently that we need to not judge children of Loki so hastily, like with uh, Sam over there. And we were very wise for making that decision. Wasn't that, that a result of our incredible wisdom? And they're all, like, looking at each other all self-satisfied. And Magnus, like, remarks that, like, they look like they want to award themselves cookies for being so understanding and open-minded. Yes, classic shit. <laughs> it, it, it really is just so, like, they're jerking themselves off in the corner about yes, how uh, how accepting they are of gay people or whatever. <laughs> oh, um, oh, how accepting they are of augers. Of Which augers, I guess is of the, the term we're going to continue to use. I guess if Rick Riordan wants to use a, a vaguely obscure term from the time and repurpose it, it's fine. Yeah. Um, what is he, a former history teacher? <laughs> well, that's what that's, that's the fun of it from his viewpoint, I think. <laughs> he just gets to say shit that's obviously wrong. Yes. Um, no, my... The other big part of this that's interesting to me is the old man. Which old man? The old man who who Alex saves. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The like because, I I hear you who like uh, rejected his fate, right? Because we never see like adult demigods in this series. That's ba- like the closest we've gotten basically is like, um, like New Rome and um, yeah. Heroes of Olympus, right? There were some like we saw some people who were like in college. 
maybe a couple families, but we didn't get them as like characters. And they, we didn't really even really get close of, um, and we didn't even really get as close to look at them as we do this old man. And it's a pretty bleak I, picture of what happens if you reject, quote, your destiny. It's bleak, but also I do think that this means that objectively this is less dangerous than being a Greek demigod. Considering so? that, like, they... Well, the one time that we meet an adult Greek demigod, it's treated as suspicious that one of them would live to that age, and that suspicion turns out to be correct. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I... It makes me want, like, do you think there are any Greek or Roman demigods who are, like, just old as fuck running away from monsters all the time? Probably not. Probably not. It doesn't seem like... Because being a Norse one is easy mode, and if Magnus gets himself killed again, that's a skill issue. (laughs) It it really does kind of seem like it, because we haven't met many, like crafty norse monsters like there aren't like no. the only monsters we have around every given corner are like wolves wolves and sometimes giants yeah and those are not nearly as prevalent as like the billion cyclopes that live in the world <laughs> and for that matter here's another comparison to uh heroes of olympus for you uh-huh alex is trans and shapeshifts into animals Frank. Oh shit. Oh shit, it's coming back. I I I'm such a fucking truther about this. <laughs> God, and you know what? You know what? It's fucking it's we've we've crossed that line as a trans person in the series right now. Maybe maybe Frank realizes some shit in Trials of Apollo. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be cool. Yeah. We probably there's no way that we wouldn't have like someone wouldn't have like accidentally spoiled that. But, like, it's fun to think I, about. I think the most, like, horrifying world we could live in... Because I was almost thinking, like, what if the reason that Alex is, like, shut up in her room uh, is because she went through the Magnus and Frank, like, body transformation? Oh, God, yeah. And we... Because I we talked in the like both when that happened to Frank and when that happened to Magnus about how like horrifying that was and especially with Magnus how it was treated as this like total violation of his bodily autonomy. Yes. Um, and we we drew comparisons, of course, there to gender dysphoria and like body dysmorphia as a whole. Um, although Magnus himself says in these chapters, well, I'm not trans. I don't have gender dysphoria, <laughs> uh, which, you know, sh- sure, kid. Sure. Uh-huh. Um, the, I, I mostly, I'm just wondering, like, will Rick Riordan think about that aspect and be like, what would that be like for a trans kid? Well, I think, I think to an extent he has, right? Because yeah. like, when Alex shows us, Sam's like, oh yeah, the reason that she was freaking out so much was because she was worried that, you know, she's gonna get, like, stuck in one body as an Einherji and potentially, you know, like, get altered in ways that she can't change or go back on. And that maybe even explains why she was going absolutely fucking nuts in the last set of chapters. Yeah, for sure. Trying to, like, I don't know, get herself kicked out or something, maybe? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. just, you know, v- venting the rage. I I could see that being true for sure. Uh, and I, I, that would be interesting if we went there. And what do you, we should talk about Sam here too. Um, mm-hmm. but 
Because after after Magnus makes his little, like, Rick Riordan does the very classic comparison, I think, nowadays of, like... Yes. Trans people, it's just like being left-handed. <laughs> like Yeah, it's the, it's the thing that every, every time that someone is like, there's so many more of these people around these days, what happened? And everyone just fucking posts the left-handedness chart in response. It's the classic yes. re- response at this point. I guess this I is in 2016, it, so maybe it was novel. Yes, and I... I Rick Riordan being that tapped in is still amusing to me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it it it's very like he's done. It seems like he's done his research to an extent. And thank fucking Christ. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Considering that we've had problems with that previously. When he chooses to do his research, he does well. <laughs> Usually. What? I mean, he could still fumble this. Who knows? He, he could. He could. Um, I feel like we would be getting a lot more like spoiler chat spoilered messages like with a somber tone than i feel like we're probably getting right now uh yeah uh you know maybe that's metagaming the book a little bit too much but (laughs) here's a question what do you think of the scene where magnus asks sam if she has a problem with alex being trans i think i think this is this is interesting mainly because magnus is Magnus's reasoning, I think, is very interesting here because I feel like there must there must be like some part of him that has like the knee-jerk response of ah, Sam's a Muslim and therefore might be queerphobic, and he kind of he kind of launches into that and then is like, wait, no, that's actually really racist to say, and is like, ah, uh, what about with you being uh religious and all? Yeah, it's, like, it's just such a weird, non-specific way to say it. Well, because I think it immediately goes to, like, him thinking about her not wearing her hijab uh, mm-hmm. to him asking this. So yeah. we're supposed to draw the connection there, obviously. Um, and I-, I do think this is an interesting... We-, we we have not had, like, a religious character up to this point, really. Um, or at least not a character whose religion has come into play very much. Uh, if I ha- Have we? Well, hey, we have... Um, uh, what's her name? Hecate. How could he? Right, she's a Christian. I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from that, um, like, I actually find Sam's like reconciling of being Muslim with living in a Norse myth myth world pretty like yeah. I, I guess this is a way to reconcile those things that makes enough sense. It's yeah. It it calls her saying that like you know I think that this is all real, but it's also all ultimately like a, a creation of my God is like. You know, this, this this very much calls back to um, Chiron basically being like, oh, we don't really talk about capital G God here and kind of implying that that's on like a separate layer of reality or something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And very much does not jive with Thor wanting to get in the fucking YouTuber boxing match with Jesus. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> oh my God. I God, I, that should be put on YouTube. That'd be so funny. They should do an epic rap battle of history. <laughs> Um, yeah, that is hard to get my brain around, actually. I, I, Jesus was a demigod, so I guess he could be, he could also exist on the separate plane of reality from a capital G god. I'm, I'm desperately hoping that eventually we get to the point where we have to do the American gods thing, and it's just like, there's multiple Jesuses depending on who you believe in. Oh, shit, does you've that got, happen in got American like, gods? You've got, like, Christian Jesus, you've got Muslim Jesus, you've got, like... You've got, like, white Jesus for, like, insane evangelical Americans. <laughs> oh, God. I, I should finish that book sometime. 
I, I should as well. It's been a, it's been a while since I dropped off it. Um, and I but I also you're you're completely right that Magnus realizes he's doing this for like kind of racist reasons. <laughs> but Sam's answer also is very like dodging the question. I think one hundred percent because he's like, "Do you have a problem with transgender people from a relig- religious perspective?" And she says, "A lot of things about this place bother me." And also, <laughs> her being transgender is the least of my problems. Which, Which does, you know, by by implication mean it is a problem. Right. I I think that, like, if Rick Riordan didn't, didn't want to cede the idea of, like, she does have sort of a problem, then he would have just had her say, no, of course that's not a problem to me. Love is love or some shit like that. Yeah. Which I think is, like, an interesting route to go down, right? Because, like, you know, Nico comes out as gay in Heroes of Olympus. Nobody has a problem with it. Even a character like... Hazel, who, like, you could very easily think of some reasons why she might have some issues with it, at least initially, is just kind of immediately over it. And so I think, like, again, kind of like, <coughs> excuse me, kind of like what happened with Halfborn in the last set of chapters, where we're like, we're gesturing at the idea that sometimes you can be on the side of good and still have some bigoted opinions. I, If this is well handled, it could be an interesting way to kind of portray that with Sam. On the other and hand, ass- making the, the first Muslim character also very queerphobic might be might not be the best move. My suspicion as to how this will go is that she will have some prejudices sort of buried deep down, um, and that like maybe that she doesn't realize she has, and then part of her arc of like, how do I have this relationship with my sibling? Um mm-hmm. will will be like coming to terms with some of that. Do you think it'll be clumsily tied into her problem with uh, uh, Alex's Loki uh, connections? I in, in the same not. way that all the stuff about like the racism towards Sam last book was clumsily tied into her Loki connections. I guess it could be. I mean, we've, <laughs> if that is the direction Rick wants to go, he's planted the seeds, right? Uh-huh, he, yeah, he's done the like. My real problem with her is that she's using Loki powers too much, which I guess turns you more evil. I guess it does do that, is the thing. Like, we saw that last book about how it, like, you're just, like, being able to shapeshift fundamentally changes the way you think it aligns you more with, like, Loki, the chaos guy. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Which, I guess guess that kind of... That that means that, like, from a cosmological perspective, if you're gender-fluid, you are more evil. (laughs) I I don't think you have to shapeshift to be (laughs) gender-fluid. I'll say it. I'll, okay. I know that this is a controversial let, statement. Let, let me let me let me explain myself a bit better. What I mean is, if you are gender fluid and you have Loki powers, you're gonna use the shape shifting more, and therefore you're more evil. Okay, yeah, that that is true. Actually, cosmologically, <laughs> maybe Loki isn't evil. I don't know. Who knows? I, you know, I, I would like for that to be the case, but I don't think it's gonna be. <laughs> The fucking invitations to the wedding are so funny. He's I, such a shitbag. The like, uh, oh my god, like, uh, Thrym, son of Thrym, son of Thrym, where? We'll get back to you. <laughs> he's the god of chaos in that he has no idea what the fuck he's doing. He can't it really organize does a party. Like Meanwhile, Sam is suffering for it. She really is, like, getting Spider-Man here so much. 100%. She's had to, like, rip the band-aid off and reveal her secret identity to her family. When will, like, Paul or, like, Paulina or whatever come to steal away a mirror? 
what is this too you know how like there's a guy named paul in marvel comics who's like married to mj right now and peter is like ah paul i hate you uh, I did not realize that after Peter made a deal with the fucking devil, which broke up his marriage, he then got cucked by a dude named Paul. Yeah, there's a dude named Paul. He's like from a different planet or something. I, I think he like he committed <laughs> genocide accidentally. He didn't really want to, but he did. Comics um, are fucking stupid. Yeah. Um. So I, I assume that's what's going to happen with Amir at some point. <laughs> he's he's gonna you know get some hot alien to like <laughs> steal him away and sam's gonna just be seething in the corner it'll, like, it'll turn out to be like an agent of loki or something uh-huh and then sam we'll, will get to kill her <laughs> we'll get her fem cell arc <laughs> oh, no it's God. fine i'm married to the job i love being <laughs> odin's black ops guy oh god she she does maybe she does i don't know i'm I, I still am not sure about her feelings on that job so far I don't think we've seen anything to do with it so far is the problem. We just know that she was she's working and exhausted. Yeah. Also, she's much, also much like you in many ways. That is true. God, I have to go back to work tomorrow. I'm sorry. Fucking, every single day I go to work except for the days that I don't. But those um, days suck. <laughs> those days suck because I'm not at work and I love work. <laughs> uh, I... Also, two more quick, quick notes on the previous chapter. Magnus is a dog lover. Alex turns into dog. It's all here. (laughs) I see what you're saying. And also, so fucking sick. The ending of this chapter is so cool. The the assassin just appearing in the foliage and disappearing with a single leaf falling into Magnus's mead. Yeah, I love the, the little, like, no, you weren't hallucinating. That was real, but just in, like, the most subtle way possible. Also, I like uh, the assassin just shows up, stares at Magnus, uh, like, transmitting the word bitch to him telepathically, and then just leaves. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you fucking won't. I mean, he does. He fucks around and finds out. <laughs> I I had a note on chapter 12 that I was like, oh, shit, Magnus is flying on Jack for a moment, but we're getting the suspense because he's building up the Jack exhaustion. So in, like, five or ten chapters, he's going to have to, like turn Jack back into a pendant and he'll be knocked out for a long time and then it just pays off the next chapter. Yeah. <laughs> what What if Magnus just never turned Jack back into a normal sword? Into, into a pendant, I mean. It's a good question. Just fucking let him fly around forever. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Unless Jack needs to recharge and becoming a pendant is the only way he can do that. I guess I assume he gets tired eventually, right? Yeah, from from all the fucking other weapons that he's doing. <laughs> okay, can we talk really quickly? Just jump ahead and talk about this. What about this two-timing bastard? He has he's been dating a spear and now he wants to fuck this sexy sword? <laughs> Just because it's infused with the souls of 12 barbarian berserkers and he and, and is has like a big hilt or something? I because he wants to get hilted by twelve barbarian berserkers. I guess so. <laughs> I I just I I'm fascinated by this specific through line in the book of weapon fucking. It's 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 very interesting. I also I I know that like we're still establishing Alex as a character and obviously they wouldn't just like drag her along on one of those missions. I desperately want her to be in the room while they're talking about the logistics of like how do you gender a sword? How do you figure that out? Because Magnus is asking these questions. 
Yeah. Wait. Yeah. Yeah, because swords don't normally have gender. They no- Normally they do not. Someone might affectionately refer to their sword as, like, she, I guess. I guess so. And... But Geller seems to have a problem with women, so I don't know if he would do that. <laughs> what do you mean he doesn't have a problem with women? He's specifically unwilling to murder them. You're right, you're right. Of course, that's a quality. <laughs> he's not unwilling to murder... He's unwilling to murder them with his sword. By his own hand. That's true. Do you uh, th- okay, okay, again, they should have brought Alex on this and just been like, okay, how, 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 how progressive is this guy really? Will he not murder a gender-fluid person? Or is he... You know, I have a feeling Alex is like in Magnus's backpack or something. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, Alex is obviously like the mosquito, right? They draw attention there to a mosquito a, like three times and like, oh, maybe it's Alex. No, that's ridiculous. There is a yeah, I I think that's very possible. I do just like the I like Halfborn's paranoia there of like, is that you, Fiero? <laughs> very funny. <laughs> um. We get some American history lessons. We're back to American history lesson mode. We we get American history lessons. I think the, these these are interesting for a number of reasons. Yeah. We get we get first off we get um Sam talking about like uh like the pilgrims and saying, "Oh, actually, you know, um Muslims have also been in um America for longer than you'd think." There was like uh uh I don't remember recall his name off the top of my head. There was like a Muslim guy who fought with George Washington during the revolution. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry? Yusuf Ben Ali, I think. That's it. Uh, and I think this is this is one of those things, just like symptomatic of Rick Ride and like be, being able to like, ins- you know, he has some good ideas in some places, and in other places, he's kind of un unwilling to examine just like the fundamental, foundational like shittiness of the United States, where he yeah. still thinks that it's like it's a W. For the to point out that like actually I think you'll find that there was a Muslim who helped out with the American Revolution. <laughs> Don't look at the, what that revolution was about or what they did. Yes, um, very much like well, this is a I understand the argument of like we've been here for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I always there it's fraught of course with questions of well who's been here longer and what are you aiding and. <laughs> Uh, like, or, you know, what were specific individuals aiding in, in their, like, you know, in this sort of revolution, uh, was, was it perhaps all colonialism? Yes. Uh, and mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I understand due to, you know, the, the racism of the day, of this day specifically, why, specific calls of like leave go back like you, you don't belong yeah. here it's it, it, it's easy to meet them on their level uh and be like but we've been here um and so i'm not gonna like but i think rick riordan having that as like his big triumphant argument is weak it's and, yeah like and, at the end of the day it's it's about well you i think you'll find that there was a muslim who fought alongside the cool guy george washington son of athena Exactly. Yeah, it, it's it's Rick Riordan buying into the American myth, which he's always yes. doing. He's always doing this, except for that one bit in Big Red Tequila where he was writing very derisively about like the insane radio show host who was talking about the fall of Western civilization. Yes, yes. Uh, well, 
I, I think maybe Rick Riordan thinks that guy's insane because he thinks that Western civilization is going strong. <laughs> and that's good. Everything is good. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and then what's the other history? We get some pilgrim history. Some history, quote, unquote? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> what's this one? So this is, um, it's kind of broadly about, like, the, the Viking concept of the thing, which is just, like, a forum where you could, like, air, air out your ideas and stuff. And then in the text of the book, uh, they're saying, like, well, we had our tomb where we have these things underneath where the pilgrims land, and that inspired the idea of democracy. And kind of on a historical level, Rick's basically saying, like, look, here's, here's the roots of modern democracy and some of the practices of this ancient culture. Uh, but I think this is extremely funny for a number of reasons. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, first of all, uh, they cite the English Parliament as a success story, <laughs> and I the the level of like blatant fucking absolute giggling contempt for democracy that has been demonstrated in the English Parliament in the last twenty four hours alone uh-huh. like, just turns that into a fucking joke on its face. And oh, also, God. these guys are claiming that they. Are the ones who inspired the the pil- they inspired the pilgrims to want to do democracy, which they they didn't do because they were fucking horrible pilgrims. But also, like they're the foundational uh, text of America, basically, uh, which is interesting because that's also what the Greeks and the Egyptians claim. Yeah, and I, I, I feel like we could maybe come to like a more interesting way of viewing all of this bullshit, which is less the like. The thing that I think Rick is trying to turn this into, which is like the melting pot of different cultures all coming together to form this beautiful American tapestry. And it's... more like, these are all a bunch of washed up losers who's like who don't have any believers anymore, who are all desperately claiming that they're involved in what is at, at present the most powerful country on the planet and pretending that they were the ones who inspired it for clout. I think that would be such a fun and like, that would be, it'd be such a more interesting critique, right? Mm-hmm. Rick Riordan isn't here for critique in this matter. Absolutely not. <laughs> he, I, I think you're right about the melting pot thing, but I think specifically we can metaphorize this by saying that he is envisioning history as a great funnel. Uh, yes. All of which drifts down into the United States of America. Yes, the hi- history is like it's it's this funnel that leads to the United States of America. It's also this like. This history of advancement, of moving up the tech tree and becoming more enlightened. And look, here's the roots of how we we ended up into this enlightened state where we are today. Yeah, Rather and that's never like, fun. That's never like a interesting thing in these books. Yeah, it, it's it's never fun, and it's a terrible way of viewing history. <laughs> the mummies are fun though; they do little dances. I do like I do like the mummies as characters, as, as like whack some of the stuff around them is. I do think these, this is like a fun encounter. <laughs> Yeah, Gellir as this really weird, nice, evil guy. Like, not a nice, evil guy in the slimy way, either, really. Like, yeah. he's not, like, Setney or, the like, the Roman, like, chariot salesman. Or our, he, fa- our favorite character, Procrustes, the waterbed salesman. Yeah, he's very different. He is just, like, nice and polite and will kill you. He's just like, I, look, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm grateful to you guys for freeing me, but rules are rules. I'm I'm in charge of defending this tomb. I have to kill you. Uh, and all of the ridiculous, like, 
berserker guardians who are just like obsessed with uh i, I believe they, they call it the thing they they mm. the, which was the you know the sort of historical artifact we're talking about here with the voting practices and stuff yeah. um and i i i I'm a fan of the bit. I think it's a funny bit. Just them getting constantly sidetracked by trying to vote. Yeah, fucking... The gang trying to engineer senatorial gridlock to stop themselves from getting killed. <laughs> oh, and I I am kind of sad that we don't get to see how this fight goes. Uh, but I, I suspect it'll be over in a chapter anyway, so I guess we'll see next time. I think there's 12 guys and that's not enough for like a long and interesting fight. I think it's just like a quick scuffle. Yeah, probably. Also, what um, the fuck was Otis's problem? Otis, he, my suspicion is that there's something that's going to lead them to the Hammer of Thor in this place. Mm. My suspicion is that Otis has been bought out because he's so fucking miserable all the time. Oh, he's like, maybe what I if, could go work for Loki and not be killed. What if Otis was an agent of Loki? And I, I shouldn't say agents of Loki. I think that's like a thing. Um, I think it's like a Marvel thing. Uh, and I think, was it? <laughs> I don't know. Agents of Loki sounds like some shit that would be on like MCU TV. It sounds like a, a fucking limited run ultimate series comic book that everyone says to me is amazing and I never read. <laughs> oh god. Um. Oh yeah. So Otis was an agent of Loki, and the goat face the goat no the the wolf mask assassin was killing Otis because he was feeding them bad information. And uh, is trying to actually, like, make them not go there because it was bad information. And that was why he was, like, trying to discourage them. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. That makes sense. And also tried to kill Magnus for fun. Yeah, you know, I mean, everyone's done that a couple of times. <laughs> What's the chapter called? All in favor of slaughtering Magnus, please say aye. <laughs> is it me or has Rick Riordan maybe perfected the chapter title? The chapter titles have all been bangers so far. We had a couple of stumbles last book, like the fucking Jason Grace one. But these have all been good so far. Yeah, like, I, I had fun saying every single one of these five out loud <laughs> during the chapter summaries. Uh, and I, I think that's really the indication of, like, it's not, like, the most important thing. We have the Kane Chronicles where there were none. But yeah. I I don't know, I'm still enjoying Or was it the Kane Chronicles or Heroes of Olympus, actually? Heroes of Olympus had none. I don't remember if um, Kane Chronicles did, actually. Kane Chronicles did, I think. I think it was Heroes of Olympus at the drop of them. If they, if they did, they were so unmemorable that I can't recall if they existed. <laughs> I'm sure it was some shit, like... My camel farts and dies. I'm almost certain there is one about camels farting. You know there had to be one about camels farting. <laughs> you know, fuck it. Okay, I'm looking this up right now. <laughs> Oh yeah, the last fucking chapter of the entire series, or at least one of them, was called The Last Waltz, for now. Like a pun on the character Walt, but oh, also yeah. she's at a dance. Because he was cause he was the fucking last one, because he died. Control F fart. Uh, <laughs> no, not a, single, not a single fart mentioned in my notes. Incredible, because I, I distinctly do remember there was a farting camel. There was, uh, oh, there was, um, chapter 15 of one of the books, which was called Camels Are Evil, uh, right before the chapter, but not as evil as Romans. That, <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. 
Yeah, these are all kind of boring. We crash and burn a party. I have a word with chaos. These are Percy Jackson and the Olympian style uh, of chapter titles. Yeah. They don't, they don't feel like Magnus is coming up with them off the dome. Ah. Oh yeah, Blitz and Hoth are gay now. I well, they were always I'm gay. so happy. They were always gay, but Blitz just explicitly says, I love this elf. And you know what I really fucking appreciate? Yeah? Is that like, you know... <clears throat> With with Alex, this is like her first non-binary character in the series. It might be the first time kids are encountering the concept, so we kind of we get the big talk. We discuss all the all the stuff around it to like get kids caught up on it and shit like that. Uh, for these two, like you know, the concept of being gay pretty easy to grasp, pretty pretty widely understood. And also, we did all of this already in Heroes of Olympus, so we just like mention some stuff that makes it pretty easy to deny, pretty difficult to deny that they're gay, and then move the fuck on. <laughs> Yeah, and their dynamic is sharper than ever in these chapters also. I think it would have been really easy for Rick to just, like... I think it would have been really easy for Rick to just write them as, like, they're bickering, get it? Yes. But what's actually happening here is so great in the little details. Like, them moving back and forth in the conversation, pushing at, like, I'm trying to protect you. I don't need to be protected. They're, like, it, it moving into physicality. I love the bit where Hearth is, like, oh, I'm making the strangling gesture in Blitz's <laughs> direction. I think that's so funny. The part where Blitz, uh, like, holds Hearth's hands, um, like, first of all, just to hold his hands and comfort him, but also to shut him up because then Hearth <laughs> can't talk. Um, and at that point says, as much as I love this elf, which, you know, hell yeah. Yeah. It's it's really nice. I I I love their dynamic, and I continue to really like it. But I I do. There was one thing that actually really had a, I had a stumbling block in these chapters with. Oh, and it was the fact that Hearth I forgot has spiky platinum hair. I didn't realize he looked like Guy Fieri. <laughs> oh, and he's filled out a bit more as well. So the you know the comparison is ever ever more easy to reach. With his like wacky clothes that he wears and everything, I I think that we're definitely getting there. <laughs> this is why he's filled out. He's been he's been attending diners, drive-ins, and and dives. You know what? Good for him. Good for him. Also, is what I say. And also, he he's been gaining gaining pounds, not gaining sense because not gaining any sense because he immediately breaks his fucking leg. <laughs> I don't think that's his fault. He the it, floor fucking vanished underneath him and he fell like 20 feet i just think it's so funny that hearth has been has replaced jason grace as like guy getting beat up all the time (laughs) that's because he's an elf elves elves are flimsy i suppose so yeah magnus does say like i i i'm not saying all elves are weak or anything but i am saying that sometimes i want to wrap hearth in bubble wrap and just like put a do not touch sticker on him <laughs> fragile elf God, you know uh, you know who else uh hearth has a dynamic with that i'm really into in these chapters who sam yeah because uh, blitz has gotten this fucking like death prophecy which is like you know you, you're gonna die before sam's wedding day and hearth's response to this understandably is go to a fucking safe house like lock yourself in a small room and do not leave until the prophecy is done Yes. Uh, but Sam is like, she is so desperate to get out of this wedding that she is like not thinking straight and she is like willing to risk Blitz's life over this. Mm-hmm, and like, mm-hmm. 
it does it, it doesn't blow up yet but there's a couple of moments in these chapters where they are just like fucking glaring at each other and i think like again this this is something that i think was missing from heroes of olympus was like we didn't get a huge amount of like we got a bit of like uh scuffling and tension between like the the various heroes on on the uh, argo too but like i don't think we had like a protracted conflict where you can see where both sides are coming from and like really kind of sympathize with like the fact that this is really difficult to resolve for them in a way that i think this could end up being i hope so yeah i mean they we saw a little bit of Sam and Hearth's dynamic in the last book, actually, too, uh, mm. when they were traversing the world tree together. Yeah. And I this is a nice progression of that because we see that, like, they are, they're having that conflict, but also, like, we see that Sam has taken the time in her busy schedule to, like, learn uh, LFSL. Yeah. Uh, and, like, she has, like, they, they're able to communicate better now because of that. And I think that, like... Yeah, they just have a, a really fleshed out dynamic for a pair who you wouldn't expect immediately. But because yeah. I, I think that's exactly what points to they are going to have a conflict later in this book. And I think that's I'm, that's like actually pretty exciting. Yeah, definitely. Because they we that's complicating the thing at the end of last book, which was like, we're a family now. Yeah. Yeah, you I feel what? like that's, that's something that you kind of end up skipping over in a lot of stuff about found families is like families still fucking fight. <laughs> yeah, families fight all the time, in fact. Uh, I one of my favorite bit, bits actually with Hearth and Bliss is there is the like improvised weapons they choose to use. <laughs> um, Hearth like pulls out a sack of rune stones, presumably just to beat people with, like it's a pound of rocks, like it's um, a fucking sock with some uh, pool balls in it. <laughs> yes, and Blitz uh uses his bow tie as brass knuckles. Yeah, that's incredibly sick. That it just like has chainmail in it. And he just like wraps it around his hand to knock people's teeth out with. So cool. Uh, and a- another, like, little pre-fight bit is Magnus, like, th- he conceptualizes, like, the piece of Frey, um, P-E-A-C-E of Frey, like, the thing he did at the end of last book where he knocked the weapons out of everyone's hands and calmed the area down for just a minute, as, like, he's like, oh, well, I don't want to pop it too early just in case everyone picks their weapons up and we don't finish the fight. <laughs> like, he's thinking of, like, it's a fucking, like, alt. Like, it's an alt in a video game. I think, yeah. I He's thinking about it like that, but I do also appreciate that I think this is this is a pretty reasonable um, limiter on what seems like, on its face, a pretty, like, overpowered ability. Or it's just, like, Magnus knows that, like, he needs to use this in the right conditions where, like, he can disarm everyone and then, crucially, also calm everything down. Instead of, like, you know, like like he says will happen here, he just disarms everyone, then they pick their weapons back up and hack him to bits. Yeah. I also, I like that when uh, Magnus is, like, trying to get a feel on what their odds are, he's like, okay, there's 13 of them and four of us. Five if he counts Jack as a separate person, but he doesn't want to do that because then he'd have to pull his own weight. And I like I like the little reminder that like, oh yeah, Magnus is actually kind of terrible at fighting. He just gets Jack to do it all for him. Yeah, the most we've seen him do is like a fucking Shizuo Heiwajima pulling a street sign out of the ground to huck at someone. <laughs> I mean, the, the most we've seen him do in close combat was uh, flip off a giant and then get set on fire and drown. Which again, it's awesome to do that, but he did die. He- Listen, yeah, it's awesome, but from a the perspective of evaluating his combat ability, he does suck shit. Yes. I 
I I'm I really always appreciate this reminder because I just like I like that Magnus isn't a fighter. Yeah. And I like that instead his whole thing is taking others' injuries onto himself and that extends to Jack. Yeah, it's very cool. Um I think that's about all I have to say on these chapters. What about you? I think so. These were these are pretty good. They were. Yeah, short uh, short but sweet. Uh how about not so set? Let's let's do a little bit of not so set. Hmm. I feel like we've done a lot a lot of Nazis heading already. We're entering like a new territory where it's difficult because we have Nazis set characters. The, yeah, this is this is what I'm saying is that like the bit is like compromised by Rick Ryan and becoming woke. Uh I almost like should we retire this bit because he did this, but I, I don't think we should, actually. I don't think we should, because it's not always gonna happen, and also, you know what? It's it's a nice way to give credit where it's due when he does include a Nazis hair character. <laughs> Um, I'm, you know what, Magnus, with your whole, like, well, I've always felt very secure in my gender. <laughs> I, I think he's, I think he's covering for some, I think he's, like, deluding himself. <laughs> so to be clear, if he says something that sounds not cis-het, that's, you know, obviously you put that in. If he says, if he insists, like, a lot that he isn't, then clearly you can just, like, you can pencil that in anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's you know, like. There's no winning for this motherfucker. <laughs> No, you will. Magnus Chase will be transgender by the end of these books. <laughs> you will be not cishat in some manner. Oh, uh, uh. In that case, I'll I'll do the credit where it's due thing and just say Hoth and Blitz. You know that's good. Like, yeah, we 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 put them in here a couple of times before, but we've got like proper official confirmation now, which is always nice. You think Gallier, the reason he doesn't like to get his sword out around ladies is because... He... No, never mind. <laughs> you think he can't? <laughs> Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Our cover is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We're hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find out at moonshotpods.com or goodfuckingpodcast.com. Have I mentioned that I'm on a weekly stream series of the Moonshot Pod, uh, like the Moonshot Podcast Network Twitch? You can find me playing nine hours, nine persons, nine doors every Saturday mostly at probably about 7 p.m. EST. How was that? How was that? Was that a good little like that was, plug? That was a good little pitch. Uh, and if you want to find us, you can go to Twitter, Tumblr, Blue Sky co-host. Um, I think we also have one more thing. It's a YouTube channel. Oh yeah, uh, we do have a YouTube channel. Slash on Wise Girls. I don't know if that actually works for all of them, but we are on Wise Girls on all those things. Uh, on most of those places, you can find uh, updates when episodes will or won't come out. You can find visual companions. You can find all sorts of stuff anything you would want as a reference point for your favorite podcast and wise girls also <laughs> if you want to support us you can go and tell a friend about us you can i don't know post us in a discord server or share our episodes around post a little clip somewhere if you want to do that or you can leave a you qr can... code on a bench in a train station you can do that have you done that no <laughs> Oh, I was like, why wow, you're doing some? I was, I thought you were like basing that off of real life for a second. I was excited. <laughs> doing unwise girls guerrilla marketing. Honestly, I've thought about it. Also, I don't know actually know if doing that would be illegal. So check before you do that. <laughs> Who cares? It's cool. We can't get in trouble for it. You will. Um, we can get in trouble for advocating for it. I guess we can. Don't 
don't do it, wink. Um, <laughs> also, <laughs> you can leave us a five-star rating and review on your podcast app of choice. Or for a bit of monetary, a little, if you want to put some cash in our pockets, make it so I don't have to, you know, worry about whether I can pay my rent this month. You can give us, you know, a dollar a month for the Discord role of, did I say that it was on Patreon? Patreon.com slash girls. A dollar a month for the Discord role of <gasps> Certified Chaser. For $3 a month, you get the Discord role of Mid Guardian, as well as all of our bonus content. Uh, we have just started playing uh, Disco Elysium on the bonus show. So uh, if, if you would like to listen to our, our dual playthroughs where Jacqueline um, plays the game like someone who uh, you know has played the game before and knows what a video game is and is like investigating and making her Harry Dubois a better person uh, alongside me who is failing every single skill check there is and turning my guy into a fucking cranked fascist MRA by mistake uh, hit up our Patreon and listen to that <laughs> I looked at your spread. You didn't have a single fascism point. You're doing good so far. It's incredible that I don't, considering some of the shit my guy's done already. You're actually, you're on the communist path. Um, anyway, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord roll of Thor's Hammered, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week, we'd like to thank Isla Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye. Some cash in our pockets. Make it so I don't have to, you know, worry about whether I can pay my rent this month. You can give us, you know, a dollar a month for the Discord role of... Did I say that it was on Patreon? Patreon.com slash girls. A dollar a month for the Discord role of... <gasps> Certified Chaser. For $3 a month, you get the Discord role of mid guardian as well as all of our bonus content uh we have just started playing uh disco elysium on the bonus show so uh, if if you would like to listen to our, our dual playthroughs where jacqueline um plays the game like someone who uh you know has played the game before and knows what a video game is and is like investigating and making her harry dubois a better person uh alongside me who is failing every single skill check there is and turning my guy into a fucking cranked fascist MRA by mistake. Uh, hit up our Patreon and listen to that. I looked at your spread. You didn't have a single fascism point. You're doing good so far. It's incredible that I don't, considering some of the shit my guy's done already. You're actually, you're on the communist path. Um, anyway, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord roll of Thor's Hammered, all of our bonus content, and a special thank you at the end of every episode. Speaking of which, this week, we'd like to thank Isla Sammy's Great, Danny, Tana, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And as we always say, at the end of every single episode... See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. See you next week, Camp Half-Blood. Bye. Bye.
Hi there, my name's Max Newland. My friends and I love anime, but you don't have to take my word for it. Hello, my name is Max Kostrak, and I have a confession today. I do love anime. Hey there, my name is Stevie Matos, and I love anime like I love yogurt parfaits. I watch it, I engage with it, and I think about it a lot. Give me a good bed of mechs, sprinkled with some harem anime, a slice of life, and some little dabs of a sports anime. Let's go. Mm. Now doesn't that sound delicious? Join us every Monday at the After School Anime Club, a podcast where we play fun games and talk through the anime classics of the 90s and 2000s. That's the After School Anime Club, available now on your podcatcher of choice.